Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to have to flee your own country, spend days or weeks in a leaky boat on dangerous rolling seas, and then arrive in a new country where you are terrorised even more? Well, that's the life confronting millions of people in this world who have no choice but to seek asylum. All these people want is a fair go, but here in Australia, our government, in our name, treats these desperate people with cruelty and inhumanity. Here at 3CR, we aim to give these people a voice, a chance to speak out and let you know that they are just like us, people with hopes and aspirations, people who deserve to be treated as we would expect to be treated if we found ourselves in this position. Refugee Radio is the voice of refugees. It's hard to go on living when your future is denied. Good day and welcome to Refugee Radio. I'm your host, Celine Yap. Thank you so much for listening in and this sunny Sunday morning. Um, in the studio with me today, I have a lovely guest who has so kindly agreed to come in this morning, and it is a big deal, you know, coming in on a Sunday. Um, her name is Gail Carr, and she is the Communi Community Engagement Manager at the ASRC. Um, so we will be talking to her about their latest program and their latest campaigns. Um, but before I do that, I just wanted to mention uh, that there is a little um, Instagram doco that's come online just this weekend that I think a few of you might be interested in. Um, it's called She Called Me Red, I think. Um, and it is, um, it was put together by um, SBS um, in, I suppose, um, and, and they're, they're doing it on Instagram, which is quite interesting. And it's about um, a refugee named Eunice. Eunice lives in Springvale, Melbourne. He is a Rohingya man from Myanmar who came to Australia by boat in 2012. Last year, his mother, brother and sisters and their families fled their village into Bangladesh among about 700,000 Rohingya who crossed the border within a few months. Um, so they've made a documentary. Uh, it features photos and videos by Chris Hopkins and from Eunice's younger brother, Jaris, and GMB Akash in the refugee mega camp, as well as illustrations by Matt Hoyne. So anyway, um, check that out. The, the link is on Instagram. It's uh, instagram.com slash sbs.online.documentaries. So um, I didn't even realize Instagram documentaries were a thing. So I think that's pretty cool. Anyway, so um, as I mentioned before, Gail's in the studio with me. Welcome, Gail. Oh, thank you, Celine. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in on a Sunday. Um, so tell us a little bit about um, the program that you are running at the moment called um, Words at Work. Was that the mm -hmm. Words at Work? Um, so Gail has mentioned to me earlier that this is a new, um, uh, what's it called, strategy that they've come up with. Um, led, uh, it's a community-led movement working together to shift attitudes towards, um, community attitudes towards refugees. Um, so could you tell us a bit about Right Track? Sure, absolutely. Um, just a little bit of a background about the community age, uh, engagement program at the ASRC. We haven't really been around all that long. It's been about three years and um, our job is to um, work with other people in the community that care about this issue to um, I suppose, work together to, and mobilise together to take action. Um, so a lot of the work that we do is, is not just um, 
I suppose, direct action that we want to take ourselves as, a, as an organisation, but really try to be part of the movement. And uh, we're in a good position um, to to help, I suppose, uh, resource the movement. Um, people, a lot of people um, may not realise, but this is the most, um, I suppose, gra- one of the most grassroots movements there are in the country. Very few people are, are paid to do this work. We are very privileged to be able to be paid to do this work. So we, the ASRC, sees a very big role in actually resourcing all of those groups. You know, that work right across Australia and have been working for, you know. Um, decades to get change on this issue. So, mm. you know, we're very humbled by that. In our program, um, there's sort of like three key is- aspects. Myself and a, and a community organiser, we really uh, work with the general community and grassroots organisations like um, Rural Australians for Refugees, the grandmothers, you know, the mm. mums, um, right across um, where, where our team extends from Melbourne. We have a base in Sydney and in Queensland. Mm. Um, we're also lucky enough here to have a youth organiser program which um, works with young people, um, which is very exciting, <clears throat> and a schools program also that um, starts with, um, I suppose, educating kids as young as um, five, moving right up into high schools and universities. So that's also really exciting. So it is about um, being part of a, a very broad movement um, that mm. is that is growing on this issue. Um, to tell you a a little bit about the work that we've been doing over the last three years since we started. Um, in 2015, there was a piece of research that the ASRC, Australian Progress and, and others commissioned work together on to um, to uh, um, to work with a... a cognitive linguist who was a a communications expert from America, basically. Uh, She was in town this week, actually. Her name is Annette Shanker Hosorio. And, um, you know, a group of of, um, uh, I suppose organisations got together who were very, very concerned about the fact that um, the circumstances for people seeking asylum in this country and refugees was actually getting worse. Government policies were getting harsher. So um, they commissioned this piece of research to see whether or not the language that, that advocates um, and people that care about this issue were using was actually effective. Mm. Um, so there was this big analysis done on how people were currently talking and lots of focus groups and and they used this really interesting um mechanism where they dial tested, they developed a, 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 some key messages that they thought might might be more effective and then they dial tested them. What, what came out of that dial tested, test was that they had identified three key groups, which are generic across all social movements, in, in fact, probably generic across all opinion, and that is the base that really care about the, the issue and uh, the, the opposition, which really just want the status quo to, to continue and actually want harsher policies. And there's a big group in the middle, um, which is middle Australia, which are, which are basically disengaged, not just with issue this issue, but just dis- disengaged from, from a lot of issue, dis- disengaged from the political process, really. So they tested these messages with these three co- core groups and they developed um, a, a few key messages or a set of principles in the way that um, advocates and people that, that are what we would call base supporters, how they can talk um, and how they can craft a message in their comms that appeals to a broader group of people because what they found out in this research was there's about 20% of people that we would describe as the base 
um, that really want change and want want fairer process, a fairer process, and, and fair and more dignified treatment of people seeking asylum. There's 24 people, uh, 24,000, I should say, people that are that are opposed, want harsher policies, um, or want things to stay the same. Very, very pro the the you know the the government stance at the moment, and there's 56 percent of people that really don't know much about this at all. So that was awesome research to have mm. because now we can we actually have a guidepost to the potential of what we can do when we speak in a way to engage that that middle Australia that 56 percent. So that is really what we have been doing. I think that's really good too because um, if you think about it, a lot of a lot of there are a lot of people working on this issue and. They, they spend a lot of time, and most of them, like you said, are not paid. Um, and so trying to get the message as good as they can possibly get helps with that sort of making sure the time that they use is well spent. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, and it comes down to... Um it comes down to where you fit in the movement too, you know. Um, what we're doing um, and the strategy that we have developed to uh, to to do this is is called Right Track, and that's just taken from a a very well known, I suppose, and a. Probably not even just an Australian saying, but potentially a Western saying that you know we want to get something on the right track, and we want to get the conversation on on the right track. I, I think you know what Annette told us that that um, that we were basically just echoing what the government was saying. Um, we didn't actually have our own narrative. And the task ahead, you know, if we're taking the advice of the research, was to create our own narrative, an alternative narrative that is appealing to middle Australia. Um, So so it it really depends, uh, you know, when I think about different grassroots groups that are involved in this movement about working out and having a strategy about how you appeal to your particular audience that you're wanting to attract. For the ASRC through Right Track, it's definitely the persuadables, mm. but it's also the base as well, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. From for some other groups, it might be it might be purely their base. So the so the framing of the message um, and and having a look at this research can tailor a, a tailor maybe give people a, um, a, I suppose um, allow them to make informed decisions or to broaden their view about how they actually reach their own people um, or if they're wanting to reach a different audience how they bring that audience in and that's what's been really useful for us um, I'll give you a I'll give you an example um, we the, what what Anat sort of I suppose came up with was that there was sort of there was some basic principles about how to craft an effective message that the base could use to attract middle Australia, and she said that one of the most important things is that you lead with your values, because people people don't change their mind or they, or shift their attitude because you throw a whole lot, whole lot of facts and figures at them. There was a rec- another research paper about that as well about yeah. why fact doesn't matter. Exactly, yeah. I've read that yeah. totally because people have a very strong worldview, mm. you know, and 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 I and I think you know I think we're very we're very strong yeah we're very strong in our own opinions. It's very hard to shift them if, if we're using if we're 
using logic, using facts, using economic arguments to just doesn't work. Mm. People shift their minds when they become emotionally um, connected to to something. Yeah, when or, they be- feel like they belong totally. to a certain group of people about that research totally. about facts. Yeah, absolutely. And that usually comes around sort of the idea of shared values. Mm. You know, Celine, we're sitting here together, and I've already picked up that 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 our values. There's a certain amount of alignment with my values. I'm more likely to to trust. Um, the things that you're telling me um, and through the experiences of knowing you, I will probably shift my attitude on a topic Mm. or on a subject. Um, So that's the way it goes. And this is not rocket science. This is just how people shift their attitudes. Um, That it needs to be solutions focused, particularly for this movement, because it's been so problem saturated. So if people are thinking about crafting a message, if it's really problem heavy, then it's more likely that people won't resonate with that message. For example, um, when Anat was out on Monday on Monday night speaking to a to a to a group of people organised through Australian Progress, um, she she said that she she said that the biggest problem that they're facing in the states right now because she's just finished a piece of uh, messaging research on race and class in in this trump era era she said the biggest the biggest um i suppose issue for progressives in america at the moment is not the opposition it is cynicism because people have been working on social issues for such a long time and they don't believe that change is possible so in crafting a message, it must be hopeful. So if you're doing sort of front-facing sort of public events, there must always be an element of hope um, to think that that we're, just because we're stuck with this at the moment, things can't change. It's really important to build that in and to connect what actions we're taking to that bigger piece of change that we are wanting so mm. always visioning forward and to understand that change does take a long time absolutely but we have to keep going totally like women, it took women so long to get the vote like and, and you know some absolutely. of the women who started that work never saw it to completion unfortunately but that's the way the world works and we need to be ready for that yeah exactly mm. yeah, there's an old saying we stand on each other's shoulders yeah you know it's the same with marriage equality you know, people were championing that. You know, you know, in, in the late sixties. Mm. So you know, it does. Ha- it yeah. But but that said, things can change quickly when public opinion changes. Um, she also said that yeah. So she she's got she's got this saying where she she says you know it's about two parts solution to one part problem, and definitely don't lead with the problem, um, particularly if you're talking to people that don't know much about this issue because they don't want a whole set of problems. They've got ninety nine of their own. But they will engage if you talk about the idea of unity and what we all want and need as a as a group of people. A universal idea of the fact that we all want to be treated fairly and we all want we all want to be treated with respect. In fact, you know, I was saying to you, miming to you with your lead-in introduction, um, that was. It's totally on the message. Absolutely beautiful. That was from Be- Trevor Grant. Yeah. He, he oh, Trevor. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it was so. It was. It was all about universal values. Yeah, absolutely what, awesome. What would you want done if it was you? And totally. we could so easily be in that position ourselves. How would we want to be treated? Totally. It's, it's, it's making it less of a burden and more of an ideal. What yeah, ideally yeah. would we like the world yeah. to be like? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I. I, I think success. 
past governments, current governments, because I can't <laughs> yeah. say that word on a Sunday morning, <laughs> have really done a good job at dehumanising um, people seeking asylum and refugees. And because, you know, we've got places like Manus and Nauru, that's a long way away. That's why the stuff that Beru's and others on, on Manus and on Nauru are doing is absolutely awesome because it humanises it. You know, and, and it's really it's really difficult as, as human beings to treat other people the way that we are when you see them as human. So to humanise our discussions, and you led with a story of a, of a young man, you know, and uh, that humanises the, you know, so the less that we can fall into the trap of using the government's, um, I suppose, labelling language. Yeah, without you know, names. Totally, yeah. totally. You know, uh, one of the things that's been really powerful in the work that we have done is that just ch- changing our language from asylum seeker to people seeking asylum is it, ha- it in- increases the engagement with those people that don't know much about this issue because it immediately humanises. And when you think about, you know, the transitions that we've made over time, for example, um, from um, the disabled to people with a disability, it's exactly the same. The, uh, exactly the same principles behind that. So anyway, she created these set of principles, um, which was awesome. So we thought about, well, how do we? How do? What is our role in this? What do we do with this message? What do we do with this research? So the last three years have really been sort of contemplating that and coming up with the idea of right track. So as I said before, right track is about um, getting equipping or resourcing or working with the movement to be able to get this thing on the right track. And that means that, that and what it looks like for the work that we are doing, we are taking the research out and we are, we are sharing that with anybody that wants to use it, to incorporate it in their communications, to talk about, to, talk, uh, to incorporate it in how they have conversations. So the whole idea of conversation was a really natural place for us to come to, and that has really been the core element of our work over the last the last three years. We took the messaging principles and what Annette um, shared with us, and we've created, uh, created a conversation framework. And that conversation framework, we've been doing uh, workshops and different actions that embed the messaging um, and developing actions so people can go out and have conversations about uh, about people seeking asylum. Because what we've found now that we're getting into the implementation stage of this, it's, which is really interesting, and it's everything that you would sort of suspect, it's, it is that um, I think people that really care about this stuff have been so hammered by a very dominant... Um, toxic narrative for such a long time the people the people that we describe as being in the middle the people that don't really know much about this issue have been um, I guess hammered with stuff in the media with political rhetoric that that has really resonated with I suppose it's really stuck in their heads so, for example, you know, somebody that, somebody that might care about this issue would go along to a barbecue and it wouldn't be – this is my experience mm. – it wouldn't be very long before start, they, uh, the issue would be brought up and you'd be in, in a position where you'd have to defend your opinion and put forward evidence to support your opinion. And people are very passionate too. The people who are concerned are quite passionate and sometimes – I guess it can come off like I guess some people can feel attacked if you don't say things in the right way 
And so it's really important to get the wording right, like you said. Totally, totally. Mm. That's right. You don't want to put people off. You need to really think about the way you, you totally. phrase things. and. Absolutely. Mm. So that was really, that's exactly, that's what the conversation framework is about. So, you know, there's a couple of basic principles that we we talk about when having a conversation with somebody that doesn't know much about this or doesn't share. Yeah. So, so the first one is, is to talk about why, really simple, talk about why you care about the issue or talk about something that, that you've seen recently. Like it might be Baruza's book or it might be, you know, something that you've read there or it might be just something that, that's, um, I don't know, current in the media. It might be the recent cutbacks to financial support that are happening to people, leaving them destitute without, um, you know, with, with, without any support in the, uh, for, you know, every, any support at all. It might be that. But why you care about it and why you don't think it's fair and why, why you think that, 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 we, that we need to do better. Um, before framing the problem, before um, – so, so giving it a bit of thought and thinking about the problem before you want to start talking about it. So, for example, if it is the financial cutbacks, lead in with why you care about that and how it relates to your life. I can't imagine what it would be like trying to exist in a new country where I don't, don't have a support network without any financial assistance at all. You know, what's going to happen to my kids? You know, I'm going to get evicted from my house. I can't imagine what that would be like, you know, um, or or it might be because you've had a time in your life when you have felt as vulnerable as that, where you might have been homeless and, or had to, you know, whatever it might be, but connect it to yourself. Or like mothers who have kids, a lot of them say, I don't know what I do. I'm looking at my kid right now and I can't imagine it'd be like if I didn't have a roof over our head or we were running from another country totally. to somewhere else. And, yeah. I, and you're absolutely right, the personal feeling, that's, yeah. that's what people can relate to. That's right. And having a conversation about that, you know, it, it's not it, – it really is about engaging people in conversation and, and, and really thinking about the problem that you want to talk about because I don't know about you, but when I've had discussions about this in the past and it's normally – but usually, and I can think about the family members straight away, it's like on Christmas Day or whatever it might be. Mm. My brother-in-law was a champion at this. He would just drag me from one problem to another because he knew them all because he'd heard them on the radio so much and he'd read them about them, you know, whatever. So stick to one core problem, frame that problem and then move on to the solution. Move on to how things could be different. How could it be different for for, for people that are now, you know, do we is it really fair that we treat people in this way? You know, isn't it isn't it as a country a really an important thing to do that we give people a bit of support when they first arrive here? Because these people are entrepreneurial. They've been highly successful in their own countries. Shouldn't shouldn't we get them to a place where they can get a job, um, you know, and and start building a life for themselves, become taxpayers and contribute because it's exactly what they want to do. Instead of breaking them down in first and then leaving them to build themselves up by themselves again. Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. totally. I mean, nobody nobody in this country, I believe, wants anybody feeling as though or in a placed in a position where they are a burden. Um, so, you know, and, and this is really, you know, and the thing that, that was sort of as we're, as we're continuing on with this is this big sort of idea about the fact that refugees and people seeking asylum, it's not, the conversation's not about that at all, really. 
what it's about is a picking off of, 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 of groups against each other. And I think that's why, you know, the more we can speak in a unified way, regardless of our backgrounds or the colour of our skin, you know, and, and, and really recognise this, that this is, this, is the, this is really dog whistle politics that's happening here um, and speak in, a, speak in a way that is, 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 is broader. It's about race, racial justice and it really is about a, a coming together as a community and holding our governments to account about how all of us need to be treated. So have that solution focus, you know. Um, without, without, it's not a lecture, it's not a one-sided lecture, but engaging people yeah, it's in a discussion. A, it is a let's, bigger let's discussion. Let's find something better. Let's not, let's not settle with this. Let, yeah. Let's rise above the problem and try and find something better. Yeah, and we're not locked in. We don't have to settle for mm. this, just like we don't have to settle for, you know, cutbacks on our freedoms. You know, we, we can actually do something about it because ultimately we, we vote, um, yes. which is the most powerful thing that we hold. And when you think about, you know, what's, how social change happens, it happens because there's a groundswell of the community telling politicians what to do, um, not, not at the whim of politicians. You know, so so really, that's the work that we've been doing, and it's very exciting. It's a slow burn; it's going to go on for years. Um, but I really encourage um, anybody that's um, taken, I suppose, or has in, taken some interest out of what I've been talking about this morning to check out the Right Track website. Um, like I can leave that information with you. Thank you. I'll share that on our Facebook page and whatever social media pages yeah. we have. Yeah, just so people can can connect with that as well. Absolutely. Um, one thing I'll I'll leave you with actually, there's a couple of things. Yeah. For all the people out there that are really thinking about how they engage their own base, um, there is great. There's a really important body of work that needs to be done there, and we're finding in our work too. There are a lot of barriers to people taking action on this issue for all of the reasons that I've outlined. To go out and have a conversation with somebody that's not like you and doesn't think the way, that takes a great deal of bravery. It's important work and and it's work that we have to do. We have to broaden the people that know about this issue and over time connect and and care about this issue enough to vote for change. But the really really, um, other group of people that we need to target is the base. Twenty in our research, twenty percent of the base are already on side, um, but a lot of that group is inactive. So if we can activate our base and get them to get them to take action on this issue, that is that is also really really important. We've got 2 million people in this country that we estimate are base supporters. That is a tipping point right there for change. Um, If we can activate that base, we will win. And when Anat was talking on Monday night, she said, she said it really now is about activating the base just as much as it is about reaching other people and bringing them into the movement. So so I, I take heart in that because there's a great potential there. So, so all of the people that are sitting home right now that really care about this issue, get to a rally. Uh, rack run them regularly. Uh, call your MP. Make an appointment to go and call your, uh, to visit your MP and talk about this issue because don't ever think it doesn't matter. It matters a lot. And in the lead up to this election, it's never going to matter, matter more than it does now because I think, 
I think we're, we can tip it. And I'm really hopeful and really encouraged by it. The last thing is that if you want to get more informed on this issue, on Thursday night, the 16th of August, between 6 and 9, there will be three key presenters at the ASRC. The first one is Carolyn Graydon. She's our principal solicitor, and she's going to give you current update on the on what's happening legally to people seeking asylum and the changes to, um, I, I suppose, this not changes, but as this process called uh, Fast Track Unfolds. There's currently four and a half thousand people across Australia that now have rejected claims under an unfair process. Um, things Things are critical. Come along and hear about that. We're also going to have Shireen Clark. She's going to talk about the impact of of SRSS cutbacks. And we have uh, also um, a wonderful speaker, Abdul Razak. Um, He is a person seeking asylum right now. He's going to talk about what it's like to live in this country without any financial support and how he's risen above that and the contribution that he's making. Um, so, so people can check that out on the ASRC website, but I'll leave the information with you as well. Thank you. We will put that up on um, the Refugee Radio page um, as soon as we can. And um, thank you so much for being here today, Gail. Oh, not at all. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Um, I hope that you guys listening in have had a really um, informative morning. <laughs> um, we're going out to a track called The Birds by Moz with Ruth Mundy about the plight of people seeking asylum. Um, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Please stay tuned for the Latin American update. I don't know how I am or how I came to be. How you appeared on this planet.